Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would teach us. Teach us your word, O Lord. I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, open our minds to absorb today the truth of your word. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that we would be granted faith to grasp and to hold on to the cross and what you have accomplished there as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who has taken away our sin. Lord, may we live in the reality of the gospel, be liberated by it, and may our hearts be changed by it. Remind us, Heavenly Father, that our hearts are deceitful and that our hearts can only be changed as, they are, as we are washed clean by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we go to Mark chapter 7, beginning with the 14th verse. I invite you to open your Bibles as we read together and as today we study this portion of God's Word. Mark, the seventh chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about this parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person, the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Today we really come to an important passage of scripture in Mark's gospel. Uh, this passage of scripture connects us to the Old Testament. It's a passage that really reminds us of the Old Testament and also how Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament on your behalf. Let me explain. By reading again, Mark 7, 18 through 19, then he said, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared, all foods clean. This passage centers on what is served on the dinner plate. So today we're going to talk a little bit about food. I don't know about you, but I like food. 
I think it shows. I like food. And we're talking about food because it is critical to our understanding of the biblical narrative of redemptive history. If you're familiar at all with with, uh, the Bible and the Old Testament, you know that there were certain restrictions on food. And also, it's, it's, it's kind of different. This is very interesting for me to study this week. By talking about food, we're also going to talk about Jesus and the New Testament gospel of God brought to you and I today, which has freed us from certain aspects of Old Testament ceremonial ritual and law. The New Testament of God, the New Testament of God is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. With the New Testament come new things. And one of those new things that come with Jesus is the disposal of Jewish dietary regulations. We no longer follow the dietary regulations that the Jews were commanded to follow in the Old Testament. How many of you can say amen to that? I can eat bacon. I can eat crab. Amen. All manner of of food is available to us now, and it wasn't available to the Jews of the Old Testament. How many of you enjoy studying Leviticus? (laughs) Leviticus chapter 11 gives us a comprehensive list of dietary rules for those who live under the Old Testament law. Jews who lived during the time of Jesus and maybe even your Jewish neighbor today still observe some of these laws from Leviticus chapter 11. I love having Pentecostals in church. I feel like I'm, like I'm getting through to people here. That's awesome. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> Kosher foods were and still are a big deal for Jewish people today. You don't want to invite your Jewish neighbor over for bacon. All right? As much as I love bacon, um, my Jewish neighbors probably won't eat it. These dietary regulations, they were actually ingrained within the psyche of Jewish people. They believed that eating these unclean foods, such as pork, defiled a person. In Old Testament times, eating certain foods would cause the person to become unclean before God. This was a chief sin among Jewish people. We can be thankful that today we have freedom. We have freedom. And this is the freedom that comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that going into him can defile him. And here's the key. But the things that come out of a person, the things that come out of a person are what defile him. It's not what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. It's what proceeds from the heart that makes you unclean. It's not the food you ingest. 
It's the sinful thoughts, words, and deeds that make you unclean. It's not the stomach, it's the heart. And out of the heart proceed all manner of sinful thoughts, words, and actions. And turn your Bibles today to Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, we read this. The heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can understand it? And God says, and uh, through the prophet Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Jesus said what's important is the heart, not the stomach. And as New Testament believers, we understand this. None of us thinks twice about bringing a pork dish to the potluck. But I do hope that we think twice about what comes out of our heart. I hope we think twice about our words. I hope we think twice about the motivation of the heart. I hope we think twice about our actions. You see, thoughts, words, and deeds count. Those are the things that defile a person. It is sin against the moral commands of God. But there's a little bit of a conundrum for us here. What do we do with Leviticus chapter 11? What do we do with Leviticus 11, which is full of these uh, dietary restrictions as New Testament people? We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. We believe that God's word speaks to us today and applies to us today. How do we deal with passages like Leviticus 11? What role does Leviticus 11 and other chapters like it play in our lives today? Why would Leviticus 11 say, eat this and don't eat that, and then the New Testament says, rise and kill and eat all manner of unclean animals? How do we, how do we reconcile those two parts of Scripture? Should we throw all of Leviticus out the window? Should we tear it out of our Bibles? Does the fact that this stuff about food found in Leviticus, does this mean that, that uh, everything in the book is no longer applicable to us in Leviticus? This is a difficult question. So let me try to explain to you. Three types of commandments are found in Leviticus. Number one, there's the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law applied to temple worship and how the Jews would worship the Lord. There were also civil laws that regulated Jewish society. And then there was the moral law. And so in Leviticus, we find all three. We find, we find ceremonial law, we find civil law, and we find moral law. Which do you think applies to us still today? It's the moral law. The moral law is still binding upon us today. 
So why dietary restrictions? These biblical prohibitions to eating certain kinds of animals was a reminder of God's holiness to his chosen people and a reminder that they were to remain holy before God. You see, God had chosen the Jewish people to be a holy and a separate people. God called the Jews to be different, to be separate from all the other nations. God didn't want his chosen people to be like the rest of the world. He wanted them to be set apart. And that separation was a separation from pagan nations. And for some reason, the separation even included differences in diet. God was saying to the Jews, you are holy, you are different. Even the food you eat is to be a sign of your separation from pagan societies. You see, every aspect of their lives, even what they ate, even what was at the table, was to be a reminder of their unique position as God's chosen race. Why was the Jewish nation to be set apart? The Jews were set apart to bring to fulfillment the promise of the Savior, Jesus Christ. The whole nation was was set apart for the purpose of giving birth to the Messiah. So God gave Moses the law, which was a part of this setting the Jews apart to bring to fulfillment the New Testament in Jesus Christ. So when they sat at table or they raised animals on their farm, they would be reminded that they are a holy people with a holy calling and a holy purpose. Second, they were given restrictions in eating animals because only clean animals had a function in the sacrificial system of temple worship. For the majority of the Jews in the Old Testament, meat eating only happened a few times a year. For the average person, they they weren't afforded the luxury of having meat on the plate every day. Now for me, I pretty much have meat with almost every meal. But for them, it was a special occasion, and those special occasions typically were associated with sacrifices of animals in the temple. All right? You see, the dietary restrictions closely connected the Jewish people to the Old Testament sacrificial system and its meeting. We don't know why one animal is called clean and another called unclean. Only God knows. He hasn't chosen to reveal that to us. But we do know that these people were called to be separate from pagans, to be called holy. And their whole life was to reflect the holy nature of God and God's means of salvation through blood sacrifice. Today, because of the once and for all superior sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, the temple rituals have been fulfilled. The whole Old Testament is fulfilled. Now we can rise, we can kill, we can eat whatever we want. I believe the primary reason for Jewish dietary restrictions against certain animals has to do with these animals' connection 
to temple sacrifice. For us today, we know that it is by the body and blood of Jesus broken and shed for us upon the cross that we are declared righteous. As soon as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world entered into human history, dietary restrictions became obsolete. Temple rituals were done away with. Blood sacrifice of animals was done away with. And Jesus became the once and for all final sacrifice upon the cross for us. But listen to this. Here's the main point for us today. After going through all that Levitical stuff, which might be kind of boring for you, and I'm sorry. The only thing that makes you clean, unclean, the only thing that makes you unclean are the sins that proceed from your sinful heart. And the only way to be made clean again is by the blood of Christ. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus willingly sacrificed his life upon the cross for you. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters in Christ. Never forget this. You can try all you want to make yourself clean and holy. You can try all you want to wash away your sin and it will never work. If you try to take care of your sin problem on your own, you'll only despair. Because you can't do it. Or worse, you'll deceive yourself into believing that you're actually making progress on your own personal life. I call this the Bible camp syndrome. Kids make commitments to Jesus at camp, right? They say at camp from now on, from this day forward, every day, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to stop my sinful ways. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm never going to miss youth group or church again. How many of you made that kind of commitment at camp at some point in your life? How well did it work out? Doesn't work out very well, does it? It's like saying from this day on, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to chew or go with the girls that do, and what ends up happening a week later? Back to your old ways. If you have been held by the vices of sin, you know how powerful sin is. Sin is powerful, and our hearts are sinful, and the heart is deceptive above all else. You have a problem with addiction? You know you can't stop. You have a problem with lust? You know you can't quit. You have a problem with gossip? You know you can't stop talking about other people. You have a problem with materialism? You know you can't overcome that. You have a problem with needing to be the center of attention? You can't stop it. 
The heart is deceitful above all things, and the heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand the human heart? People have been writing books. They have blog posts. All of these things, and they're trying to figure out the human heart, why we are the way we are, and how to fix the problem. Jesus said it, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come all evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within, and they defile a person. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm included in this. We are a sinful people. And it is the uncleanness of our sinful heart is powerful, too powerful for us to overcome. But here's the point, here is the good news of the gospel. The power of our sinful hearts are never too powerful for Jesus to overcome. And he has overcome sin by his blood shed upon the cross. And we need to be reminded of this daily. This is something that we need every day. This is why I preach the gospel every week. Because the basic gospel message is meat for you. It is clean meat for you to live upon. The Jews only ate animals that were declared clean. Even as they ate of the meal, it was a reminder that they were only clean by the shedding of blood. The blood of a pure and clean animal. As we come together in this place, as a word and as a sacrament people, we are reminded and we are fed the reality of what Christ has done for us by the preaching and by the bread, and the wine, and the water. We are reminded and we are given the reality that we are only made clean by the blood of the Lamb shed upon the cross. And this is why an end has come to the dietary law. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Leviticus pointed the Jews to. In our gospel lesson, Jesus is teaching us that the ceremonial aspects of Leviticus are fulfilled. The only laws in Leviticus that still are binding upon us today are the moral aspects that apply to the heart, not to the stomach. So do not look. Do not look within yourself for proof of being cleansed. Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. Look to the sacrificial lamb of God. He's taken away your sin. You're clean. You're free. You're free in Christ. There were uh, twin brothers. 
who loved each other deeply and remained best friends throughout life. Best friends. And they lived during a time of what many would say were harsher times. Parents were very strict with these two boys. One of the boys, we'll call him Hank, didn't do well in school. Now don't get me right, he was a bright kid, very bright. But he had a problem with reading, like many kids have a problem with reading today. And back then the help wasn't there for Hank to get in order to help him to be able to read well. So Hank struggled, bright kid who struggled in school. And Hank was always disciplined by his father for getting bad grades. So he'd bring the report card home. Tom would always have A's and he would always have bad grades. Brother Tom did well. Hank didn't do very well. So Hank had to stay home and do extra chores while his brother Tom would go fishing. Tom loved his brother Hank and he felt bad for Hank. Tom had an idea one day. Without Hank even knowing it, he switched report cards with Hank. One afternoon before their dad got home, Tom took Hank's report card and laid it next to his and carefully erased both names and wrote Tom on Hank's report card and Hank on Tom's report card. When their dad got home, Tom, with sweat on his brow, showed dad the report card Hank did the same. Their dad believed it. Tom stayed home that weekend to do chores, and Hank went fishing. Now, I'll tell you this, that was cheating. I don't think you could do it today with modern technology. I don't think that teachers write report cards in pencil anymore, right? So kids, if you're thinking about it, you'll never get away with it. But this is an illustration of what Jesus has done for you. When it comes to righteousness through the moral law, each of us receive an F on our report card, right? Jesus is the only one who ever earned an A. When it came to obedience, Jesus was always obedient. He was without sin. Do you want to know what makes the gospel glorious? Jesus took your F. He took your failing report card and he made it his own. And he suffered on the cross for you and for your sin. And in exchange for that, he gave you his perfect report card. All A's. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your failure. He sees the very righteousness of Jesus Christ which has been credited to you as a free gift. This is what makes the gospel glorious. This is what liberates the soul. It is by the blood of Jesus. No more sacrifices needed. Clean and unclean animals are no longer an issue. Jesus was the once and for all final sacrifice for you. This is the reality that the the entire Old Testament points us towards. It points us towards this Messiah who would take away the sin of the world. Jesus has come. 
Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness for you. His testament is given to you by his blood. It is no longer the Old Testament of the blood of bulls and goats or clean or unclean food. It is the New Testament written in the blood of Jesus, fed to us by his holy word and in the sacrament of the altar. I invite you to bow your heads with me today as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you that you have accomplished everything for us that needs to be accomplished. Remind us, Heavenly Father, as we sit here now in this time. Remind us, Heavenly Father, that without you we we have nothing. But in you we have everything. So once again I pray that you would now in this time cause us to reflect upon our lives and in reflecting upon our lives that we would turn away from ourselves and that we would lift our eyes away from that which cannot save us and that we would lift our eyes once again to the cross that we would cling to the cross in faith believing and trusting in you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.